Hi, friends. I'm Stephanie Leedy, Director of Children's and Family Ministries at Stonebridge Community Church, and this is Stonebridge Parents. The Stonebridge Parents podcast is dedicated to having real, honest conversations with members of our community. Each week, we will talk with a special guest about a variety of parenting topics, including entitlement, special needs, and mom guilt. We have some amazing episodes, moments, and parenting game changers for you to hear. Welcome to Stonebridge Parents. Hello, friends. This is Stephanie. I am the Children's and Family Ministries Director at Stonebridge Community Church. I am joined today by Ashley Chalonis, a longtime member of Stonebridge. And Ashley and I share something in common. Uh, we both have sons who are or who have autism. Uh, So today, Ashley and I are going to speak about uh, raising a child with special needs, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, So why don't, first, why don't you tell me a little bit about how long you've been at Stonebridge and why do you love our community? Uh, So we joined in 2006. Uh, It's when my husband and I got married and we moved to this area, and we love Stonebridge Community Church because it's like a second home and extended family and to us it literally was a like a safe place for us for mm-hmm. a period of time in our lives so so now it's more transition to the second home um, the the additional family I love that I feel the same way I've never really felt uh, such a sense of community so quickly. And I remember when I came to Stonebridge 10 years ago, I just immediately felt like I was at home and everybody's so welcoming. And so I share that with you. I agree. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your family? So we have five members of my immediate family now. Uh, I have two stepdaughters that are college aged and so early 20s. And we adopted a three-year-old. Well, he was four when we adopted him. We took in a three-year-old in foster care uh, years ago, and now he is seven, and he is diagnosed with autism, and we're in the process of getting him assessed for other myriad of things. Sure, sure. How was the... How was the diagnosis for you guys? How did that... We actually weren't a part of it. It Mm. was when we were uh, considering fostering him... The previous foster families had seen that something was wrong. I consider that lucky, actually, that he went from home to home. He was in four different homes in only about four months. Wow. So we knew that when he came to us that we would um, be looking at therapies and special ed program for preschool. And so we were kind of preparing even before he moved to our house. Wow, that's wonderful. Tommy was diagnosed um, before three as well. He was diagnosed when he was two and a half. Um, and I started to notice red flags around two years old and um, just certain things like he would line up, not just lining up cars, but like line up bathroom products and then number all of them. And I think I shared this with you already. If like number 15 was missing, he would have and like an anxiety attack. It would, it would really panic him that something was missing and he knew exactly they were always in the same order. I literally had like 30 bathroom products in my house just in a drawer that he would constantly line up. So <laughs> little things like that just started to build up. And then we went to preschool, like the, the teacher, meet the teacher day at preschool. Mm. And he just shut down, mm. fell on the floor, went on his tummy, wouldn't communicate, mm. just nothing. And so 
I started the process at that point to get him diagnosed, and it happened really quickly. He was diagnosed within, I think, a month, and then we started therapies. We started behavioral therapy and occupational therapy, and we had already been in speech therapy because when he turned one, he wasn't There was still a delay yeah. already at one. Yeah. Which I knew for boys was yeah. kind of average. You know, some boys just are not as um, fast to pick up talking, but Tommy's lasted for quite a while, so... It was a lot. It was <laughs> the the diagnosis was a lot. It, it was very emotional for me to have my son labeled as something. Okay. Um, and so I'm I'm trying to be more careful of, instead of saying he is autistic, like that he has autism. Oh, okay. Just because okay. it feels like that's not what defines him, you know. And I don't know if that affected you at all. He he didn't talk. Uh, he had one word for the longest time. It was Nana, which means mm-hmm. banana, and it meant hungry. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, he didn't have words, which is considered nonverbal. He didn't communicate pretty much at all, and that's also a challenge with any young kids in the foster care as well. We've had two other young foster kids before, really temporary, and they also had significant delays in speech. They just didn't have... It could be developmental, but it also is just they weren't exposed to things. They weren't maybe interacted with. We don't we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the one hand, it's common. On the other hand, it's autism. So we have a mixture of autism and foster trauma. Um, so he is only now speaking in sentences, maybe around six, age six that he started mm-hmm. talking. Um, and then for the autistic quote label that's a that's a funny one for me because other people would say to us oh i would they don't know us let's say a stranger would say oh i don't like labels Mm -hmm. and the thing is we consider the autism diagnosis as super helpful Mm -hmm. because if it weren't for that we wouldn't be getting tons of services and right we, we get um special ed classification here and there like at theme parks yeah. <laughs> so so there's a lot of honestly you don't want to really qualify it as benefits but there's a lot of help out there that if it weren't for that quote label you know we would be just wondering what's going on and confused yeah. and so the diagnosis is helpful and in the foster care community there's this concept of this is the child's story not yours you don't have the right to but he's not foster kid anymore no. he's adopted yeah. so it's a little confusing of whether I should be saying it or not or whether whether it's my place to be educating other people. The judgment that you feel, too, or at least that I have felt when my child behaves a little bit, a little differently than what is expected, um, I immediately say he has autism as a justification for his behavior. And I'm not sure how that is affecting him. That Yeah, I was exploring that maybe a month or so ago of, of why do I feel this need to say it? And then eventually came down to, re- after going through uh, different levels of thought, realizing that I was saying it so that people, in the end, I'm saying it so that people be nice to him. Mm-hmm. Like, please, please give him extra care. Right. Please don't put your thoughts on him or us he's he is different Mm -hmm. and that's it's a bit of a shame that made me sad actually when I made that realization it was sometime like a month ago it actually made me sad for the day right I was gonna ask like you felt sad that day that you realized it are you feeling better about it now 
I would say it's just a work in progress and confusion. Sure, sure. I understand. That makes sense. <laughs> I get it. Sometimes I feel afterwards, like pointing out that he has autism was helpful mm-hmm. and educational, and therefore I take it as a win. And other times I'm not so sure that it was necessary. And right. So, so I think it's more of a process. It's a good education for people who don't have children with special needs. You know, just because you see somebody behaving differently doesn't necessarily mean they're um, disobedient or, you know, bad kids. They just might have some issues that need extra grace and that autism doesn't look the same for every kid. We still get questioned because people see it as a certain thing. They think it means uh, not talking to anyone, sitting in a corner, and only playing with one toy over and over again. Yeah. Maybe. Like, that's one one version that I've actually met multiple people who think that that's what autism is defined as, and mm-hmm. it is confusing. So I don't, I don't really have, you know, fault anyone with being confused by it, because it is. And that is also... F- Uh, the process that we're going through as moms of young kids of still trying to figure it out. And it is difficult and unpredictable. Absolutely. Um, When we initially talked about doing this podcast, you had a really interesting perspective um, from raising your stepdaughters and now to raising Lucas. Do you want to share a little bit about how your your motherhood um, journey has changed. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was thinking about it uh, today as it, it does absolutely feel like I've had uh, two different f- portions of my life for mm-hmm. mothering, um, both unique and strange. My husband and I have, have been challenged by this whole new world with our son of special ed world and IEPs and and school being difficult beyond just well you know we don't really care for this teacher it's so much it's a totally different world it's a completely different um setup system uh it's a lot more and it it changed our perspectives on everything uh, especially school and so that that was very different to know that my stepdaughters went through school, the public school system in Simi Valley, uh, just fine. Right. So to be introduced to this whole other system um, and where you are immediately and this is a good thing to some extent, you're immediately turned into an advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be, um, and it's it's very puzzling and stressful. So what I've learned is uh, think, I have this perspective because I was a stepmom and concerned about so many things back then, and now in this completely different world of realizing how kids are... Kids are just kids. We as moms put so much on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, especially the other unique side of it for me is because we adopted Lucas, I, I learned pretty quickly that women feel a lot of um, terrible guilt and shame for the diagnosis of their special needs child because they don't know where it came from or why. And autism, I read research papers regularly. Uh, we just know there's something genetic, but we don't know beyond that. There's continued research, and we've gotten to participate in some of those studies, which is fun. I think going back to what you said about moms um, putting so much pressure on themselves and feeling the need to make sure that their kid is behaving perfectly at all times, I find myself letting go of certain certain things that just don't seem to be that big of a deal. Um, 
the bigger issues, Tommy talking, communicating in full sentences, telling me what happened mm-hmm. at his day at school. I think that's something maybe moms take for granted that yes. they don't realize. I really have to grill my kid yeah. to see if I can get any information about what his school day was like. Yeah. And that anytime I do get a piece of information about what he experienced that day at school, I'm so excited. Um, so moms out there who you get your kid in your car and they won't be quiet be grateful, please, because some of us are longing for that information. Um, I also remember really longing for Tommy to call for me, like from mm-hmm. his crib. He never said, Mama, you know, nothing like that. Um, Lucas just started to. Really? He's seven. Yeah. For foster kids and autistic kids uh, and nonverbal kids, the um, they don't they don't necessarily call for help. Mm-hmm. So only now sometimes Lucas gets hurt and he calls, but it's usually we have to figure it out. Um, we don't, they won't call to ask for things. You know, the kids that get up over and over again because they want a drink of water and they don't, he's only now starting to exhibit some of that stuff, but mm-hmm. it's it's kind of piecemeal and strange. And you don't, so we spent the majority of our time with him guessing what right. was going on. It's not just that he couldn't tell me what was happening at school. He, he literally can't, um, can't tell me what happened anywhere. He's only now we will get a little tiny bit from him. Mm-hmm. He will maybe string together a sentence and tell us something that happened. And that's very exciting. Uh, but he, when he was in preschool, he was in the special ed preschool for two years, and he went to private preschools, and he couldn't tell us what happened every single day at all. So that means he's also not telling us what went wrong, that he doesn't like something, that someone hurt his feelings. Right. He, and so we would get him back from school and not know what was going on. So we, we were watching these kind of these erratic, strange, bizarre behaviors. Uh, he also picked up how to fight Mm. Uh, which he had not done before. It, so he he mimics other kids and learns from other kids and then does what they do. And then he gets in trouble, but we don't necessarily know about it. And just over and over again, we wouldn't know what was happening. And I would sometimes guess. I can sometimes tell. And we would only know that something scary or or something wasn't working if someone else told us. So there was one mom that would tell me sometimes months later about how her kid had said, oh, he did this and this happened. Like she would happen to know what was happening because her kid talked, uh, had communication skills and and mind. So (laughs) it's it's bizarre and scary. We had a time where he got on the wrong bus Mm. and my husband happened to notice and went flying around town trying to track down oh, the little bus. No. Yeah, so it's literally a four-year-old who can't talk got picked up by the wrong bus right. and can't say. We, we realized how many things could go wrong here. I was showing up at the wrong school or who knows, who right. knows. So that was really scary. Foster kids also can, uh, autism, this can happen with some autistic kids, but also foster young foster kids have the issue of not understanding you stay with your family or your group. Mm-hmm. So you can just wander off so yeah, he would just elopement, elopement mm-hmm. right and he would just wander off and join other families other groups um, he still does that to some extent but it was he would walk up to another man and put his arms up to be picked up you Aww. know just a random guy in Denny's yeah. <laughs> so, so so that was scary so it's scary that lack of communication is 
is heartbreaking um, when you just don't know what they're thinking, what's going wrong, why they're acting this way, right? Uh, why they're having meltdowns, what's stressing them out. Uh, one of our other funny stories uh, is we at some point found out that he hates boats. Um, he likes water. He mm-hmm. loves water, I would say. He likes water. He likes the ocean. Found out that he does not like boats. They okay. are terrifying. But we didn't know that for ages. We went on cruises. <laughs> we, that went, poor little guy. I took him on boat rides. Right. Like, so, Thinking it'll be so much fun. And and he would be... Lit- what it looks like is he's acting like a out-of-control child. Right. He's acting uh, uh, terrible. And it's so stressful as the parent because you're trying to manage it. And you don't know what's happening. Right. And you don't. You, if you had a kid that can just say, like, I hate boats. <laughs> How helpful would that be? That's the dream. Right. That's the dream. A kid that simply says, I don't like this. One of the questions you had asked me in advance was, uh, what, do you, what do you tell friends before something? I've been working on that for the past year uh, because I realized all the challenges we had pre-COVID of, of going to friends' parties, and it was so disastrous. Right. Um, and I don't mean that in a, in a light way. Uh, we would have it go both ways. We've, we've had situations where, where Lucas has not had impulse control, so he's hurt someone, but also vice versa where a kid has said something, but we don't know what, right. or has done something mean to him, and he was devastated for months and not mm-hmm. able to play with other kids. So there, it can go both ways. It can be either that he does something that we're, you know, that's more our issue. We're embarrassed by it. Sure. Um, and so we don't know. So we're trying to prepare to keep him safe or keep him happy versus versus the other thing can happen of, like, was it worth taking him to this party or fun event or or gymnastics class in our case was one of the situations when he really just ended up being so upset for months and it set him back socially and he was afraid to go out it's we never know what's going to happen and how big of a deal it is so we've avoided a lot of things off and on throughout the years we've realized uh, that's one thing that all special needs families go through of trying to figure out do we just not go to this anymore? Right. And, and and Adam and I, my husband and I, had decided ages ago we're not going to be those people that stay at home and won't go anywhere. I I'm still struggling with what to tell friends uh, to prepare. They feel like their kids can handle it, therefore sure. they feel confident in it, which I don't. Sh- I That's don't awesome, share. Though. What a great set of friends you have. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and I don't necessarily share that, but if sure. they're willing, and you know, um, but but so far we've had a few interactions with friends with really nice kids who are very tolerant, and they have asked, you know, what what should I tell my kid in advance? And right, what I end up telling the parents is some mix of. We don't know how he's going to be. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's going to fall apart. We don't know if he's going to get angry and I have to. we have to leave. Um, and we don't know if he's going to be just fine and no one will notice anything. Uh, when he goes to Cub Scouts, he's just another boy playing right. and silly and goofy. And then we can go to a different circumstance like church and... And other people may not be aware, but I'm seeing high stress and any moment anger and there could be a meltdown and screaming and yelling, which I think happened like in an Easter service one time. (laughs) So, you know, you just never really know what to expect. All right. So circling back today, we are talking about parenting children with special needs. I'm here with Ashley Chalonis and uh, we've spent... 
quite a bit of time talking about our boys and um, and what their challenges are with autism. So my next question would be, what would your advice be for families who don't have special needs and how can they support um, families who do? I, in a nutshell, just being flexible or understanding that we need the flexibility is, I think, the key. Um, we just don't know what's going to happen. So in that, we have to parent them in a way that is sometimes bizarre or may seem too harsh or too late. Right. Uh, and so being accepting and just kind of aware of that and, and knowing that we may need to take our kid upside and give them a break or give them a treat that other kids uh, maybe you're getting later or we may not be able to give them the treat because yeah. something is going, it doesn't, it won't work out. You know, realizing that um, as a parent, we are feeling embarrassed or, um, yeah. you know, ashamed even sometimes or feeling frustrated and tired. And so giving us the grace as well, um, not just extending that to the child, but to mom and dad and just being aware that uh, we're, we may be struggling that day. Um, and so uh, extra kindness is appreciated. Definitely. Definitely. And do you have any encouraging words for families who may be um, struggling currently with uh, special needs issues or going through the process of getting their child diagnosed? Well, I, I would like to say that the the benefits, the fun thing has been that the wins are so huge. When your kid finally says, says a question or a sentence that you've never heard them say before, even though they're older and it's well past that milestone marker, um, it's a huge win. It's a celebration. And I kind of enjoy that. I enjoy that these little things are a big deal. Yeah. So, so do celebrate that. Be happy about that, even though they're delayed or behind or it's odd. It's still so fun. We have all these extra challenges along with all this extra joy. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's one way you can see it. Uh, but I, I also wanted to say, you know, we give ourselves as parents, especially as moms, too much credit for the good and the bad. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of what I was saying earlier um, was that, you know, just just know that don't give yourself too much credit for even the bad things that may happen. It's just, it's unpredictable. This is, this is how it is. God has created them to be their own unique <laughs> individual people. And we have uh, the ability to teach them certain things, but in some ways they're just going to be their own person. It's a and that's a fun. great thing. And it's so much fun. My last right. question for you is what are some of your favorite resources? So my number one um, piece of advice is uh, I strongly recommend podcasts. And if you're a person yeah. already listening to a podcast, <laughs> you've, you've made some good steps or you're already into it. But I have found that my number one way to um, get my head back in sorts is to listen to a podcast because I can have my eyes on him sure. um, so he doesn't do something dangerous or I can know what's going on. I can listen to a podcast and laugh. So podcasts, I realized eventually, are a way for me to kind of hang out with people in a very passive way sure. and really enjoy it and laugh. It's a good form of self-care. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us today. I hope that um, those listening learned something. Um, and uh, it was just a pleasure having you. So thank you for being here with us. Oh, well, thank you for wanting to talk. 